Welcome back to Freedom Fridays. In this edition of Freedom Fridays, we're going to continue our discussion. We're going to complete our discussion on the scriptures and are they reliable? Are they trustworthy? And uh, can you believe it? And we've talked about various different areas. And this is the area today that many people think of when they think of, can I trust the Bible? Can I trust the way it was translated? Can I trust that uh, it was copied correctly throughout the ages? Can I trust what it says is without error? And I'm not going to be led down the primrose path somewhere that I shouldn't go. Um, First of all, I'd like to state that when somebody brings up an argument that you cannot trust the Bible because there are errors in it because of all of the inconsistencies or the um, the errors in translation, the errors in copying, uh, etc. I have never met a single person that has brought that up. I'm sure there are some, but I've never met a single person that has brought that up that actually has seen the data and has the data to back it up. They're just parroting a... Uh, a talking point that they've heard from other people that there must be these errors because there's so many copies of the Bible and because it was originally spoken and then written and copied with before the printing press. And so there must be all of these just plethora of errors. Um, I'd like to start with some statistics for you. Now, I hesitate in even going there because that's not the important part. The important part is about what God says. But Um, We can believe what God says because we see, we can believe what God says because he said it, but we see that God did it by the fact that he has preserved it. And so uh, let me start with, with some statistics for you. The sheer numbers of manuscripts of the Bible. Now, when we talk about manuscripts, we're talking about copies. We're not talking about the originals. The originals uh, don't exist in almost any ancient manuscript. And so when you're talking about the originals, they're, they're lost. The, the originals are lost in almost every ancient manuscript. That's just the way it is. And I think that's probably a good thing uh, as far as the Bible goes because the originals would end up like Gideon's ephod where we set them up on a wall and we worship the originals. And that, that, in God's wisdom, he didn't allow us to keep the originals, and I think that's part of the reason. So the originals are lost in every ancient manuscript, almost every ancient manuscript. And so how many manuscripts do we have? How ma- other than the autographs, how many manuscripts do we have of the New Testament? In the Greek language, which is what the New Testament was originally written in, in the Greek language itself, we have 5,856 roughly manuscripts. And I say roughly because these numbers change all the time as archaeologists find new things. Uh, 5,856 by the numbers I saw uh, is the most current number I saw of the Greek New Testament. That's in Greek. The closest ancient work that has 
the closest number of manuscripts, none of the autographs, but the closest number of manuscripts is Homer's Iliad. And that has roughly 1,900 manuscripts. 1,900, that's a lot of manuscripts. 1,900 manuscripts of Homer's Iliad. And when you read from one to the next to the next to the next, you, you probably wouldn't tell that it's the same story. Um, there are different endings. There are different beginnings. There are different middles. There are, there's just a whole lot of difference in those 1,900 manuscripts. And that's not even half of what we have in the Greek in the New Testament. And that's all languages that we have the manuscripts for Homer's Iliad. 1,900 manuscripts. That, of course, that's not counting since the printing press and the copies then. If we talk about all languages that we have New Testament manuscripts, and these are the manuscripts, this is before the printing press. These are handwritten things copied from the originals, uh, copied from the copies. Um, we have a total of about 24 to 25,000 manuscripts. So now the order just went way up. If we talk all languages uh, between Greek and um, between um, Aramaic and we have the majority of those um, other manuscripts are actually in Latin, in uh, copies of the Latin Vulgate. And that's about 24 to 25,000 manuscripts alone just of the New Testament. That's just the New Testament. That's not the whole Bible. That's just the New Testament. Uh, 25,000 versus under 2,000. Uh, that's a huge difference. That in itself is only part of the picture. The other part of the picture is how close are those manuscripts to the originals? So if we look at, as we were taking a look at Homer's Iliad, um, the years between the date it was written and the earliest manuscript, um, the years between the date written and the earliest, excuse me, the earliest fragment. So this isn't a complete copy. This is just, this might be a paragraph. This It could be a whole chapter, but it could be just be a, a paragraph or something. The closest one is 285 years after it was written for Homer's Iliad. 285 years after it was written is the closest fragment. For the New Testament, the closest fragment, 25 years. It's only 25 years old. How about the closest manuscript, the complete manuscript here? We have the closest manuscript of Homer's Iliad is 1,550 years after it was written. The closest manuscript that we have of the Bible is 225 years old. That's the whole thing of, of the New Testament, 225 years old. Um, huge difference. The closest manuscript of the New Testament is newer than the closest fragment of the Iliad. So you can understand where you could say, oh, well, this is much more likely to be accurate than the Iliad. In fact, when we look at variants between them, 
the the huge difference really comes out. I don't have the statistics on that one uh, readily available um, because it all depends on who you ask. But the statistics are that are similar to that. The Iliad, like I said, you can't you can't recognize one from the other. Um, you can tell that they've got the same names. They're similar situations, but the the, the endings might be different. The the beginning might be different. Um, completely different, like different story. Um, in the Bible, there are no areas that are affected that change a doctrine. None. And the amount of variance between the manuscripts and the fragments and such that we find is less than one-tenth of one percent. It's really minuscule. Um, so let's get into the, really the body of what I wanted to talk about today. Um, inerrancy, the Bible's inerrancy. And um, when we talk about the transmission of the text, there's overwhelming accuracy in the manuscripts of the Bible. Where minute scribal variants can be found, the passages are not, only, not the only scriptures on which doctrinal formulations are made. Hence, they do not change any doc doctrines. So if you see a, a variant in something uh, that might look like it changes something, that is not the only place where that doctrine is upheld. There are other places in the Bible that it talks about the same thing that don't have any variants. And so it doesn't really change anything. Translations. Um, in order for a translation to be legitimate, um, it needs to be literal in order for it to be valid. Uh, God doesn't waste words. He says that what he means, and he means what he says. Galatians 3.16, um, God talks about here um, uh, the promises to Abraham that we talked about in a previous session, when, and he makes a big deal about the, the, uh, the plurality of a word, whether it said um, to your offspring or to your offsprings plural and so he made a big deal about that and if, if it's that important it must be literal um, you can't take it figuratively because offspring can mean offsprings um, if you take it figuratively you can make it mean anything you want really and so it has to be literal the translation must be a scholarly work we're not going to look at a translation i'm not going to take and preach from a translation in our in our uh um, Sunday services that uh, just somebody off some some Joe off the side of the street uh, decided to translate on his own. It needs to be a really somebody who really knows their stuff. Translation is the word of God to the extent that it is faithful to the original. We believe that the originals are where the the Bible is completely inerrant, and if it's faithful to the original, it's inerrant as well. Um, and so it's it's. It's the word of God to the extent that it's faithful to the original. Next, we're going to talk about infallibility. And the definition for that is God is not capable of committing error or failure. And that translates to the Bible. Um, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18 says this. 6.18, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie... We 
who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Now, I'm not going to go into what he's talking about, um, except it's it's very obvious that he says right here in the middle of the verse, in which it is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. And if we go to 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and uh, it we see that uh, it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Um, it, everything's inspired by God. All the scripture is inspired by God. It's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, the scriptures must be true. Basic logic right there. Um, the scriptures cannot be changed or altered. If we go to John chapter 10, verse 35, and we've talked about this one as well. John 10, 35, at the end of that verse, Jesus says, and scripture cannot be broken. You can't change it. You can't just decide that you want an erasable Bible and you're going to take some of those things out. It doesn't work that way. Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, tells us, For truly I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. We've talked about this verse before. And here this tells us again that the scriptures will remain intact until they are completely fulfilled. He says at the end of that verse, um, nothing will pass away from the law until it is all accomplished. So God is protecting it. Jesus Christ never criticized or corrected the Old Testament in his public ministry. That's significant because he believed it was inerrant, because it was infallible. Um, so what is the authority of the scriptures? Where does the authority of the scriptures come? Uh, our definition of the authority is the right by which the scriptures are to be obeyed as supreme. Now, when we think about the Bible, the Bible should be our only source of authority in our life or our primary source of authority in our life. Um, if the Bible doesn't speak to something, then, then we're, we're okay to, to look at, at nature and, and, and such for some things. Um, but the Bible must be our number one and primary authority for all of life and practice. And so nothing has the power to negate the scriptures. John 10, 35. Nothing has the power. Experience doesn't have the power. We see this a lot today. I'm going to read this verse in just a moment. But we see this a lot today where people will say, yeah, I know what you, what you said from the Bible, but this is what happened to me. Or this is how I feel. Or this is what I see. Um, I think that's a really slippery slope, first of all, because then you can make it say whatever you want. But also you're saying that you know better than the Bible. And um, John 10.35 says this. John 10.35, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken. Scripture cannot be broken. It cannot be authoritated, or it cannot be negated, excuse me, by someone's ideas, by someone's experience. 
the scripture cannot be broken. In fact, the scriptures are more reliable than what you see. The scriptures are more reliable than what you experience. The scriptures are more reliable than what you feel, what you think. The scriptures are more reliable than an eyewitness. Seeing is not believing. Believing comes through the scriptures. Well, let's take a look. The Bible actually tells us these things. If we go to 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 18, we ourselves, this is Peter speaking here, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. He's talking about when the mountain said, this is my beloved, uh, on the mountain, when they heard the voice say, this is my beloved son, uh, believe him, listen to him. They were up on the Mount of Transfiguration where they saw Moses and Elijah with Jesus. And Peter, you know, spouted off about building tents and such. And he said, we were there. We heard the voice. I can tell you exactly what that voice said, says Peter. I was there. I could tell you how the inflections in the voice. I could say it the same way. We were there with him on the mountain. Verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter is saying, I heard the words up on the mountain, but the Bible is more reliable than what I heard. That's important. That's key. Why is that? Because you could have misheard. Have you ever had a situation where you are absolutely convinced, absolutely certain that you heard something and somebody else is absolutely convinced, absolutely certain that they heard something else? Because of the difference in either acoustics, the difference in where you were standing, the difference in um, your hearing ability, there's all sorts of things. You can't trust your ears. You can't trust your eyes. I talked this last Sunday about how seeing is not believing. If you believe that seeing is believing, then just go to an illusionist. And if you believe everything you see an illusionist do, um, I'm sorry, but that's foolish. I hate to be harsh, but if don't believe everything you see somebody do. You could have a different um, perspective on things. You could be looking north and somebody else is looking west. You could, be, uh, you, could have, you could not see something. There could be something there you don't see. That's how they make th things look like. People levitate. That's how they make things look like. Things disappear and cards come out of thin air. It, it, it's all an illusion. And he says, the word of God, Peter says, the word of God is more trustworthy than anything that I see. Romans 10, 17 says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ or some translations through the word of God. Hearing comes from the scriptures. 
Hearing comes from the, believing comes from the scriptures. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. Faith comes from the scriptures. Our faith is because of the scriptures, not because of what we saw, not because of what we heard, not because of what Peter heard. And I heard Peter heard that. And I heard the second cousin tell me that Peter heard that. And so-and-so heard that. And so-and-so told me that they heard that. Or they told me they have a friend that heard that. But because we see it in the scriptures. The scriptures are from God. And his ways are higher than our ways. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that the scriptures are from God. We already read this, this scripture one time. All scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God. And then if we go back to Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9, God says here, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The scriptures are from God. Uh, we have no right in saying that um, there's an error there, that God made a mistake. They are trustworthy. His ways are higher than our ways, and they are clearly from him. Well, thank you for tuning in this week, and we'll uh, look forward to seeing you next week on Freedom Fridays. Mm -hmm.